This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Tia Cooper, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's great to be here. Now, let me introduce you. Tia is one of Australia's most well-known and well-loved contemporary and historical fiction writers. She always knew that one day she would write a novel. It all started with the writing of a story in the back of an exercise book at boarding school and then later developed into winning second place in a Mills and Boone writing competition. And congratulations, because I know that's not easy. But with running a farm, having a family and working as a teacher, writing became a far-off fantasy until one day Tia decided that was now or never. So in August 2011, she joined Romance Writers of Australia and her debut novel, Tree Change, was published as an e-book in November 2012. Since then, she has written many wonderful books and has been nominated for and won numerous awards. Uh, she's here today with her latest book, The Girl in the Painting, gorgeous cover, I might add, released to late 2019, a compelling historical mystery that transported readers from the Australian goldfields to the English countryside to Maitland Town in 1913. When she isn't writing, Tia can be found haunting the local museum or chatting to the locals who provide her with never-ending sources of inspiration. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what a life. Okay, so firstly, I want to know where you grew up. Tell me, you know, what kind of childhood you had. I grew up, I, I was actually born at Hampton Court, which always sounds terribly impressive. Where's that? In London, yeah. outside London. It was Henry VIII's palace. Oh, um, wow. There it, was, it was actually one of the outbuildings, but it sort of sounds cool to say you mm-hmm. were born in the palace. Um, and I grew up there. I went to boarding school quite early. And hence, As English people do, don't as they? English, well, in those days, as English yeah. people did, yes. And when I left school, all I wanted to do was... So I want to know more about boarding school. Right. Boarding school, I started boarding school when I was eight. We were um, shoveled into a dormitory with 10 people. What's that like, leaving your parents at that age? I actually had the, it was, it wasn't so much my decision, but I was told that if I went to boarding school and I didn't like it, I could leave. And was that true, do you think? I loved it. It was great. Oh, you loved it. it. Was, um, but do you think that that was true, that they would have brought you back if you didn't oh, like I it? Oh, I see. Um, in hindsight, perhaps not, but I don't think, I don't know, I think they would have done. Yeah. Um, in actual fact, in the time I was at boarding school, my parents divorced, but so boarding school became something of a safe haven, I guess. Mm. And at eight years old in a boarding school, who becomes the parent, the figure, the adult figure? Well, there's... I guess it depends on the, on the boarding school, so I can only speak specifically about the one I was at. Um, in this 10-people dormitory, there would be one senior who would be 
your go-to person for the other people of your age. Um, then you had, um, there was a matron who took care of the sort of, I guess, the motherly stuff. If you were sick, you know, made sure you got your washing in the right place and all that kind of sort of thing. Um, and then there was your classroom teacher as you'd have in a normal school. Um, so your class teacher became important in that situation during the week. It was very much like going to school, except that you didn't have to travel to school. Yeah. How often would you have seen your parents? Um, always at half term. Um, in so the that's ha- a long time. Yes. And, and then there were certain weekends when they could come and visit. Yeah. Um, and they did? And sometimes. And there was um, there was also... I think there was a quarter term. This is going back such a long time. I'm pretty sure there was a quarter term as well. And sometimes you'd go to go and stay with a friend or yeah. you'd have a friend come and stay with you for the half term. Yeah. There were quite a lot of people whose parents were overseas. And why did you like it so much? Was it the independence? What was it? That- I think I liked the uh, – my. I have a brother six years younger than me. I basically went to boarding school when he was still a baby. So it was suddenly like having lots of brothers and sisters, I guess. Or mm. sisters anyway, not brothers. We did do some dreadful things. It was such fun. <laughs> and did you think about, were you a great reader then? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely where it came from. Mm-hmm. Under the bedclothes with the torch mm. in the common room. And we had the most fantastic, when was it? Probably the second year I was there. Um, we had the most fantastic English teacher. Her name was Miss Pettigrew. When you got to the lower fourth, you were in Miss Pettigrew's class and Miss Pettigrew always put on a Shakespeare play. So you basically spent most of the year producing the Shakespeare play that was then put on for the community and the school in what was called the Dell, which was an old chalk pit. So it was covered with trees and everything else. So there was... uh, that, and that was that's the year that I still remember the most most vividly. Mm. And there were four of us who were really good friends. And of those four, three of us are now in Australia. Well, one's in oh, New wow. Zealand at the moment. The other two and still are in friends. Austra- and we're still friends, yes. And one of them is still in England. Oh, I love that. And Facebook found the one in England who we'd lost. So that was quite fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from boarding school, what what did you do? From boarding school, I was. <laughs> I was supposed to sit my university entrance exam and I didn't want to. All I wanted to do was to be a journalist. So I made a bargain with my mother um, that if I could get myself a job before the I had to sit the entrance exams, I could go and be a journalist. So I took my way into a job on the local newspaper as a cub reporter and didn't go to university. That... Um, lasted a couple of years. Because you knew then that you liked writing. I just, that was all I wanted to do. There was nothing else that I was interested in. Yeah. It, it changed a little bit after I'd sat through a million local court sessions and things like that, but that was what I wanted to do. Um, and then there was a change in government and the British economy went pear-shaped and obviously the first people to go were the junior um, journalists. So I was without a job. So I went to London University and did a teaching degree. Mm. Um, when my teaching degree finished, I was appointed to Notting Hill Gate School and I didn't really, I didn't want to do it. I lived there. Oh, did you? I it, did. Back in 1989, I think well, it was. I'm, yeah. I'm about quite a lot <laughs> earlier than that. It was a pretty rugged part of the world, actually. Yeah. Um, and I was working as an editorial assistant while I'd been at, at uni for a man called Sir John Lawrence. 
And I was saying, mm, I don't really want to go, you know, mm, it's a bit boring, isn't it? And he said, well, I'm on the board of governors of a school in India. Do you want to go there? And two weeks later, I was in Delhi on a train going up in, in the Himalayas to take up a teaching position there for 12 months. And talk to me about that. That was great. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, I was the only European there. It was, it, I sort of need to go back. His, his name was Sir John Lawrence. His grandfather, I think, was Sir Henry Lawrence of Lucknow fame, if you know your um, black holes of Calcutta, Calcutta and things like that. And his grandfather had founded the school for Indian Army officers' children. Right. And so this, it was very much a, a, an English public school, which mm. to translate into the Australian was an English private school. Mm. And a percentage of the, the kids were from army families. Some of them were very wealthy families and there were also some of the village kids. So it was a and, – and the teaching medium was English. Right. So I just picked up a class as an, and then sat in on the Hindi lessons, which is a bit like you know, learning yeah. French or German in school or whatever – and I stayed there for 12 months. And then a friend of mine turned up on the doorstep and said, I'm going to Australia, do you want to come? And so we went. I went, so we did the overland thing as one So day. you're a real adventurer. Yeah, maybe I'm not now, but I think I was then actually, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, so we did the overland bit and then... Um, what, you drive across the country? No, 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 we did buses and trains and right. um, things like that. And he went, actually went ahead of me because he had a flight book and I came out of Singapore and arrived in Sydney on my birthday which is Christmas Eve with 20 cents in my pocket and a few addresses and not much else and basically never went home. Wow and what year was that? Shh, Time early 70s. Early 70s. What was Australia like then? There have been some fantastic, it's getting historical enough to see some fantastic photographs and things coming out. It was, I loved it. Um I mean, I loved it because it was sunny. I mean, yeah. after London, it was just, you know, the sky was higher and the sun shone and there were beaches in the city and... So you lived and in nobody, Sydney? And nobody knew who I was. Yeah. I could be whoever I wanted to be. And mm. I remember that feeling, you know, I, I can just do what I like. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So did you live in Sydney? Yes. Yes. I stayed with um, some friends in Hunters Hill for a while and then moved to Balmain. Yeah. Where my daughter now lives, so it's, you know, old stamping. Yeah. Um, and I, but the only drawback was that I'd come in on a tourist visa so I couldn't work, which was a bit tricky. When you've got 20 cents. Uh, <laughs> very tricky. Some very good friends who I'm still friends with. There might have been a little bit of working that probably wasn't terribly 
correct. But anyway, yeah. finally they had a, uh, the government, the Australian government had an amnesty and I applied under the amnesty for residency and got it. Um, and then, of course, I could use my teaching qualifications. So oh, wow. then I could get a job. Okay, so when did you start writing, thinking about writing books? In I'd, I'd written a few articles and odds and ends and done some PR stuff. Were you writing all the as way a teacher? Through. Yes. Um, but I hadn't written any fiction. Right. And I always said I was going to. I mean, everybody says it, you know, one day I'm going to write a book. No, no, I've never said it. You? No. no. Um, <laughs> I still haven't done the one. I was, always, I was always going to pinch, um, what's his name, Gerald Durrell, um, my family yes. and other animals. I yeah. thought that would be a great title. Um, and I hadn't really thought about it and, and lots of other things happened and I didn't really do it until, um, so the Mills and Boone competition, it was a very, very rainy Easter. I picked up a Woman's Weekly and there was a competition to... Had you read Mills and Boone? No. no. <laughs> so I had to go up and buy some. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I can do this, I can do this. I was mortified that I didn't win. <laughs> I was so cross that I said, well, I can't do it. Well, apparently it's quite complicated well, yes, to write. So, because it's really short story writing, isn't mm, it? Which yes. is much, much harder. Than, yes. yes. But anyway, I the, the story was called Arctic Ambience. Um, <laughs> um, and I won a bottle of perfume for coming second. Anyway, so I was never going to do it because that you know, obviously I wasn't going to do that and it went back on the t- into the too hard basket. And then I kept teaching. And I'd always, I, I really enjoyed teaching creative writing. Um, yeah. Mostly it was primary school. Um, there was a bit of adult education that I did. I taught English as a second language and and things like that. And during the time I was at school, I was always the person that was doing the PR stuff for the school or for the district or yeah. whatever was going yeah. on. So I was sort of writing, but not not fictional writing. Yeah. And then it was this very rainy, rainy Easter and I picked up, I I rarely read magazines and I picked up a Woman's Weekly and there was a Mills and Boone competition. So that's how that happened. Anyway, so I kept teaching and kept teaching and kept teaching and then I ended up as principal in a small school and for the first time in 35 years I woke up one morning and thought, I don't want to go to work. Yeah. I mean, there'd been days when I didn't want to go to work but this was like, I don't want to do it anymore, I'm over it. Well, do you know, it's very hard being a principal. Um, just, the trouble with being a principal in a small school is that you are teaching a class and being a principal. Yeah. So it's it's pretty full on. Mm. Um, oh, I, I think teaching is full on. Yeah, well, this believe me, this is... Anyway, so I just woke up and said, nah, yeah, I've had it. Um, so I spoke to my supervisor, district inspector, whatever he was called in those days, and um, I said, I'm going to take long service leave. And, it and were t- you in a rural area? Or I, was at, I was at Pete's Ridge, which is just north of Sydney, as you probably right. know. Okay. Um, I'd already moved out to Buckety, which is on the way to the yeah. Hunter. Yes, yeah, so I, I said, I'm going to take leave. And it turned out that I thought I'd only got six months, but it turned, or just over six months, and it turned out that I had, count, had counted the school holidays, so I had the school holidays as well, right. which gave me a year off. Wow. So I took, I said, I'll take six months and see what happens. I moved house, got rid of the mortgage. Um, and I was, I did a bit of PR for a local art gallery and a few other things like that and built them a couple of websites, you know, that sort of thing. And I was wandering around the internet and there was a competition called New Voices, which was basically the rehash of um, the thing I'd done in the Women's Weekly all those years ago. Right. And I thought, oh, 
So I knocked off three chapters for that and sent it in. I didn't win. I didn't do anything. But the feedback I got was absolutely mind-blowingly brilliant. Isn't that fantastic? Yes, it was absolutely uh, from some, you know, really quite well-known authors and, yeah. um, again, Milton Boone authors. And I thought, oh, okay. So, and that, those three chapters became Tree Change, which was the first book that I had published. And then it got to the end of 12 months leave and I went, no, I'm not going back. So I resigned, I took my superannuation and prayed I'd make some money eventually. <laughs> and you did and you have. Yes, I'm, I'm more than happy. So, yes, so I reinvented myself. I have a new career. Yeah. How long have you been writing? Well, how many books? How That's many books? A... Well, I've had six books published with HarperCollins now. Right. Um, there are four with Escape Publishing, which are e-books. Yeah. And the other, the contemporaries I've ha- have actually taken, um, I got the rights back to those because they were very small publishers. They yeah. went broke. A lot of them did. Um, I got the rights back to those. I did self-publish them, but I've since taken yep. them down because I'd gone by then. I'd gone down the historical track, and I, I yep. really didn't want to muck up what I. And they were, I so much more enjoy writing historicals. Yeah, I just don't have a contemporary voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, do you think? Because um, now you live in the Hunter, talk to me about how that influences writing, like sense of place or where you live. Like, if you were living in Sydney, would you have been writing differently? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I do include bits of Sydney and bits of England and things like yeah. that in the book. Now, I love I love the fact I've deliberately set all of my books in what was the old county of Northumberland, mm. which is basically bound by the Hawkesbury and the Hunter River and and the coast originally. Right. But So I sort of pulled that back basically to the Hunter Valley. Because you like the landscape, don't I you? I love the landscape. I love the fact that I can decide where I'm going to set the book yeah. and go and look at it. I mean, yeah. sometimes I pick up a house from somewhere else and move it to where yeah. I want it to be. Because you can. Because I can. Yeah, I just like being able to, if, and if you get stuck, you go for a walk and you know where the sun rises, you know what animals are there, you know, mm. and, and it's great. And I like, you, you're just really immersed in the, mm. in the area. Um, it was one of my earlier books, The Currency Lass, um, it was. I discovered that a circus had gone from Sydney to Maitland, which is in yep. in the Hunter, and had then got to Maitland. And there was nobody there because it was the 1850s and it was a gold rush and everybody had gone off. And so the circus took off across country and went to um, Safala, well, what is now Safala, but it wasn't then. It was called the Turon. And so we actually got it, got hold of an 1837 map, which had a few of the roads on, which is the map that the circus would have had. And followed the roads that the so circus would have taken. So near Bathurst, is that where yeah, it is? Um, yes, sort of, yes, yes, basically. Yeah. Yes. Wow, and, that's a journey. Oh, it was great fun. I yeah. mean, we, and, and we we took all the back roads and occasionally ended up in somebody else's paddock and things like that. But I love being able to do that because you get a real sense of of what it would have been like, and yeah, and it's fun. Yeah, it's it's great. So tell me where your people inspiration comes from, your story <laughs> and your personalities. Um, a little bit of everywhere. I, they, I don't. I do think I can honestly say that I've never written any fictional character that is based specifically on one person. No. But there are little bits and pieces of people here and there. In the girl in the painting, there's a girl called Jane. Um, there's very much a. She lends herself perhaps to a girl that is my daughter's best friend and I taught in year two who she had a mind like a well she still has a mind like a steel trap and her father worked in Sydney and at that stage we were living in Woi Woi and she knew the train timetable 
off my wow. heart. So if at the sort of age of seven or something, mm. and she'd say, oh, it's 5.53, there's something or other's leaving Central, it'll be at wherever it's going to be. And she was very gently the um, the inspiration for Jane in the girl we're painting. Um, but then Jane sort of took off and decided to go her own way. I find that a lot with characters. I decide that, you know, oh, yeah, she's going to be like that and maybe yeah. this happened to her. And then at some point in time they go off at a tangent, which I always think sounds a bit fey, but they do. Mm. Um, a lot of authors tell me that, and that they, they just they make don't, their own way. Yes, yeah, so they, they do. And then all suddenly they oh, that wasn't going to happen. But, hey, well, that's a good idea. Okay, if you want to go there, you can go there. You can go there, yeah. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I'm just thinking about writing. Like... I've, I do a lot of traveling and sometimes I stop and, you know, I catch up with authors who are living in LA or who are living in San Francisco or New York or wherever. Um, and they're still writing or even Peter Carey, right? Um, now I have caught up with him, but not in New York. He's been here for a podcast, but they write about, they're still writing about where they grew up, you know, or they're still writing about Australia. And I think sometimes that's a homesickness thing. I oh, yes, think. I, I can believe that. Okay, so I want to talk to you about that. Like, is there homesickness for you for England? No. I, there came a point in my life, I mean, I obviously, I say I came to Australia and stayed here. I've, I obviously have been back to England. Yes. Um, there came a point when I suddenly was telling everybody that I was going home and that meant to Australia. Yeah. Um, and that happened. But I enjoy putting in the bit, this bits and pieces of England. So one of my other books is called The Naturalist Daughter. There's a chunk where she's she heads off down to Cornwall and goes across Boardman Moor, which is where we used to go as kids yeah. for summer holidays and yeah. and things like that. There's the same in The Girl and the Painting. Um, there's a chunk in what there. Is, what does it feel like when you go back to England? I haven't been back now for quite some time. Right. Um my mother now lives here. Oh, okay. Um, so your my, family's yeah, here. Yeah, so family's here. So yeah. I really haven't. Um, and I've got, and there's so much of Australia I haven't seen. So I've just been yeah. sort of trying to do that. I mean, I did a lot of travelling um, apart from the India thing. Um, and I've I've seen uh, not all of the world, but a lot of the world. But mm. I've seen very little of Australia. Mm. Australia's so big, I'm still looking at it. Um, what do you think readers, because you've got, you know, you've got a big audience and you've got an established audience, people who really enjoy reading you. What is it that they're enjoying the most, do you think? Because there are so many writers out there and there's so many stories. Why is it that they're reading your books? I don't know. No is it idea. landscape? Is it car- I've been thinking about that. I was thinking about that coming in. Like what differentiates? I do think that... One of the things that people like yeah. is the fact that I I always write fictional characters. Yes. I, I don't like and this is entirely my thing, I don't I don't mean that other people shouldn't do it, but I don't like putting words into the voice into the mouths of people who existed. Right. I don't feel happy about it. I don't feel safe. I might have the governor saying, Good afternoon, how yeah. are you? But basically I don't want to rewrite. Yeah somebody else's life or, or whatever. So my characters are always fictional. But I like to include real historical events in the stories because I think that helps shape the characters. And we don't live in a vacuum. No, that's right. And and my, my latest... So research is important. Oh, yes. But my latest example is that 
obviously, you know, bushfires and Wollongbai mm. was pretty severely hit. If I was writing a contemporary and I set it in December 2019, how could I have them living their life if there was no reference to the bushfire? It would just yes. be completely wrong. And I think I like to do that going back through history. Yeah. And I like to find not a lot, three or four historical events that I can peg the mm. story around. Mm. And that also helps with with creating the timeline. Mm. It also Do you enjoy problems. research? Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yes. Well, congratulations because you really are, I mean, you know, you decided to turn your career around and you found something that works for you and obviously that readers really enjoy. Um, T. Cooper, thank you so much for talking with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.